rise up Whoa, not gonna give up Whoa, we're gonna rise up Welcome to Rise Up, hosted by me, Steve Collum. I'm so glad you're here today, and um, I really value that you're, you know, spending the time to hang out with me. and And hopefully, this um, this podcast is really kind of giving you a couple of nuggets or making your day just that tiny bit brighter and better. Um, and I'm so excited because uh, today I'm going to be interviewing. Um, interviewing Bill O'Hannon and uh, he is not only a good friend and a great guy and we have so many laughs but he is super knowledgeable he's written over 40 books he actually wrote his last um, 41 books so you just finished that a couple weekends ago and so um, he's written, he's had over 87 songs cut by artists and different people. Uh, he's written uh, 305 uh, songs just this year uh, with his collaboration team and um, his sync team. He is super, super successful. He's a, a psychotherapist and he also has, um, that's what his major is. And, and he's, one of the coolest things that you're going to hear is that he has actually, um, uh, he's focused a lot of his uh, a long a lot lot of his career on solution um, based therapy and not just focusing on the problems and the issues and but he's really you know it's even just in knowing that just as as I say that you know that he wants to help people and he wants to make this world a better and brighter place and he drops so many um gold nuggets and and gems in this interview it's um you might want to you might have to come back and watch it a couple of times or listen to it a few times he is absolutely amazing and um and uh, so anyway, before we dive in, I just want to let you guys know um, that, you know, if you want to sponsor this, if you want me to keep continuing doing this, please uh, become a partner over at um, patreon.com forward slash Steve and you can become a partner there and, and also head over to um, the pod, um, the Facebook pod podcast groups where we actually talk about a lot of this stuff in this group. We talk about the, the, uh, the cement or the um the interviews and little lessons and little takeaways and i'd like to get to know you there and so um you know it's you guys are getting to know me and and my guests but i want to get to know you more and um so head over there it's uh rise up with steve column and it's a facebook group so it's a private group so you'll have to ask for permission to join but it's a very safe area there safe zone where we get to hang out and and do this more more in depth more um just on a different level, just another layer or another level in. And um, also, if if this has been helpful at all, please um, consider um, uh, writing a review and, and giving us a five star review. And and um, hopefully that will, you know, that will. I know that with the more reviews, then higher it goes up on the um, the search engines and the um, the list, so that people actually can find it a lot easier. And we can shine this light. You know, you you by doing that will help shine a little bit of light and you know we these podcasts are all about being positive and helping people and sharing motivational and inspirational stories and there's so many people that need this i know that and and so 
anyway, enough enough of that. Um, we are going to be diving in, and uh, this is this is an amazing, uh, amazing. Uh, he shares a little bit on his story and um, and some amazing takeaway things. So I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything or share too much. So let's go ahead and dive in. Awesome! I'm so excited. We got Bill here. Bill's a great friend, and uh, Bill O'Hannon, and uh, we've written some songs together, so we're collaborators. And but Bill is a leader in the entre- entrepreneurial um, industry, really, is it? because you've done so many great things. You've you've reached the dreams of so many people. And um, thanks so much for hanging. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. You know, we we do have a lot in common. We both have a, kind of a nice um, positive energy and a can-do attitude. Um, and we've both done a bunch of entrepreneurial things, including music. And um, and I was touched um, by hearing about your uh, family situation with the stillbirth. And I I have something to say about that that's relevant to other people as well as you. You know, I was a therapist for many, many years. I'm, I'm full-time songwriter now, but I still have my hand in the therapy world. And I developed, I had some traumas in my life and I developed, having seen so many people who are traumatized, most people who come to therapy have some history of trauma. I developed a curiosity, why does trauma mess some people up for life i mean they just never they're they're diminished by it they're wounded by it they're scarred by it and everybody's touched by trauma and you know in a, in a negative way but some people go on and thrive after trauma and some people don't and you doing this podcast i just you know before we get too much into it you've discovered one of the principles that I learned over my 40 some years of being a therapist and dealing with my own trauma and seeing my friends and family go through theirs and the difference between post-traumatic success and post-traumatic stress. And one of them is, can you take this pain and this wound and turn it into a contribution to other people in the world? It's, It's one of the things that can flip it from torturing and haunting to healing and making a positive difference in the world. And I I think there are three elements to turning trauma into post-traumatic success, but that is one of them. So when you talked about the impetus for this podcast, and it's gone beyond that, I know, but um, I just want to acknowledge that up front, that this very thing that we're doing together is not only hopefully healing for you, but healing for the world. And then that comes back around to you and your family. Gosh, wow. Mic drop already. I think we're done. So that's, I, I gosh, I really appreciate that, Bill. And um, yeah, it's, I, I guess, you know, when it, when it happened for, for me, my wife at the beginning of this year, I, I, you know, after kind of being in a dark, deep hole for, you know, a few weeks, maybe in a month, I realized that I didn't want to be worse through this. I wanted to be better through this. I wanted to pick myself up somehow and pick up the pieces and just be better through this, not worse. And I wasn't, I didn't have much details, but I just, that was the main thing that I just, that's all I could hang on to. And, 
Um, but gosh, thanks so much for sharing. Saying yeah, that. I think you know that that you intuitively knew something, and it, it is part of your character. I think you are the kind of what can I do with this? How can I make it useful for other people as well? And that's one of your impulses, I think. But you know, I've written a bunch of books. I think we talked about that, or we will talk about that. But one of them is called Quick Steps to Resolving Trauma. Nice little kitty cat on the cover there. Nice friendly kitty cat looking at a mouse. And um, and in there, I talk about these three elements. So why don't we just start with that? Um, you know, you've had trauma. I've had trauma. Most people who are listening to this or watching this have had some sort of trauma in their life. And, you know, for years, we didn't really acknowledge trauma. We didn't know what kind of major effect. And now I think most people are aware of it. And I think sometimes we've gone a little far over to the side of, oh, once you're traumatized, you'll never get over it. And I think having been a therapist and having gone through mine and seen other people go through theirs, I was really curious, what makes the difference? And there are three elements. One of the things that happens with trauma is we go through a disconnection. We disconnect from our feelings sometimes, from our bodies, from other people, you know, uh, the analogy I use is sometimes, you know, let's imagine it's terrible for um, animal lovers, but the analogy I think is really helpful. Let's imagine a dog gets hit on the highway by a car, not killed, just hit. And somebody, either that person or somebody else pulls over, the dog's in the ditch, just lying there. And you think, okay, is the dog okay? Is the dog dead? Is it, you know, and somebody comes up to it and the dog starts moving and you think, okay, the dog's alive. And as you go to approach that dog, what happens? The dog either shrinks away as you try and touch him to see if he's okay or wounded or needs to go to the vet or whatever, or he growls and bites out at you. Because when we're traumatized, we pull back or push back socially from some feelings and memories and experiences inside. It's a natural thing. It's a protective thing. I don't want to be hurt again. And so that natural disconnection we have from ourselves and our and some of our aspects of ourselves, feelings and body and senses and perceptions and memories, sensations, and from other people, from social things. We want to pull back. You probably weren't going out partying or playing a lot of gigs during that time after your trauma. And sometimes from bigger meaning it's like why did god do this to me why did they, you know why did they let this happen so sometimes we lose that we it shatters our sense of meaning and and what does it all mean and i thought the world made sense but this doesn't make any sense so why does this happen so we disconnect in those three areas and reconnecting in any of those areas can really make a difference so the difference between post traumatic stress and post traumatic success is in the wake of trauma, after your initial terrible, you know, like you say, month or however long, it's different for every everybody, um, you've disconnected and then you start to reconnect or connect in a new way, maybe even in a stronger way to your spirituality, to other people, to your wife, maybe, you know, to um, friends, to um, your body to your emotions, you know, you really have never dealt with grief very well. And you, you know, now you're connected to your body and your feelings. So that's the first one. If you can reconnect or connect stronger or, or whatever in the wake of trauma, you're likely to turn it to the side of post-traumatic success rather than post-traumatic stress. And then the second one is 
do you get harsh with yourself or other people? Like we all know people have been through trauma and then they turn kind of outwards and angry. They turn bigoted or hateful or they blame other people for things or they blame themselves. Oh, you're such a loser. You know, why, you know, why did you mess up like this? What's wrong with you? You get self-critical. And so in the wake of trauma, there's a little of that, you know, what could I have done? Why I did this wrong? Or, you know, what's wrong with me? Or how come I'm cursed or whatever? There's a bit of that. But once you get through that, again, whatever period that is for you, can you turn towards compassion? So self-compassion or compassion towards other people, which is, again, where we started. Your impulse was, I wonder if I could help other people who are going through difficult things to help them heal and to inspire them to go, you know, to be more successful and to do things they want to do in their lives. So you may notice there's a trend here. I have this three C's of post-traumatic success, connection, compassion, and the third one is contribution, which is what we started with. Can you take the hurt, the pain, the trauma, the wound of this and say, can I go out and help other people so who are hurting or who might experience this or something like this to heal or to find some meaning or purpose? And that gives you meaning and purpose, which is starts to reconnect you to that bigger sense of meaning. And so those three elements I discovered in my clients in psychotherapy and people that I knew in my own life. And I read a bunch of biographies or memoirs or autobiographies, and I could find those threads running through it. You can you can make a difference and turn your trauma or terrible events into meaningful, helpful things, post-traumatic success instead of post-traumatic stress. And I wrote a book about this called Thriving Through Crisis. And um, and I think that, you know, I, I've never written a whole book just with those three elements. But when I saw what you were doing with this podcast, it reminded me of that kind of informal study I've done of what makes a difference in people's lives in the wake of trauma. Wow, gosh, that's that's absolutely amazing. For anybody who's listening right now, I think you need to go back and rewind that and go through that again because uh Bill dropped so many great gems there and it's it's just so it's so powerful that you know that you've shared those in books and and you know, I we I didn't even get to to tell everybody that you've written uh you just finished your 40th 41st book. My first book. I want credit for every one of those, Steve. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and and they're all up on um on Amazon or where can people like Yeah, the 41st one isn't out yet, but it will be. And some of them are out of print, but you can usually find an old copy on. I occasionally have to go on because I'm like, oh, I don't even have a copy of that book. So uh yeah, they're all on Amazon, I would think. Yeah. If you look. On that, and that's just amazing, you know, that you're that you've just had so much background in in many different areas. And then you you have got such a great way to share it and and you know, obviously a book is a, you know, you can just go nonstop until, until your time, until your the end of the day or whatever, until you got to, until you're hungry. And, um, and that's, that is just absolutely so powerful. And, and so um, we have many viewers or, and listeners here that, that their dream is to buy, is to, I was going to say their dream is to buy a book. Well, guess what? You can, <laughs> you can fulfill that right now. So, there you go. There um, you go. Write a book or write uh, even just something, you know, but they just don't know where to start. And and there's just so much of that fear. Tell us a little bit about um, 
going back well, to actually for those who are actually watching i want to just uh, turn my screensaver on here on zoom and it's a picture of me uh, with my chin on a bunch of books if you're just listening and you're not seeing the visual and i have a little card with the same picture and i give that out occasionally and somebody i was in nashville where i write songs and i do a lot of co-writing and playing um and i gave that card to somebody he said wow, is this how many books you've read? And I said, no, that's how many books I've written. <laughs> and he said, oh, wow, I've only read one book in my life. It was in high school. I never read another book. I go, well, I read a lot. I mean, that's one of my escapes from the world. I read a couple yeah. of books a week. And, um, but yeah, I, I never, I never imagined that I would write books. I loved reading. I was a big reader, partly because I was really shy and introverted, both. I was two things. And they went together for me as a kid, big family, eight kids, big Irish Catholic family, very loud. And I would just withdraw. I would sit under the table and read books when there was a big family gathering. And um, so, but I I just wasn't much of a writer. And I, I'll tell you something that got me going. I, I, was, I was studying to be a psychotherapist you know, talk about traumas. I Two things I think, now that I have some perspective, and I look back on my younger years, I was molested by a relative when I was a kid. Um, and sort of, he sort of confused me into it, is all I can say. I don't want to get into the whole story. It's too long. Actually, I don't mind telling it, but it's a bit long. And um, he confused me. He turned off the television and he started talking in a really confusing way and sort of manipulated me into that molestation situation that way. And um, so that was one of the precursors to becoming a writer later. I did not know that. But um, then when I went to uni, when I went to university, um, I, again, came from this big family and I was a shy kid, but in my family, I could I was okay. I was with my siblings and, you know, we'd get along just really well and I could talk, you know, I wasn't that shy in my family, but when I meet new people or when we were in a social gathering, I just wouldn't talk. I had a, a, a cousin who came to see me give one of my talks many years later and said, I can't believe you do public speaking for a living. I never heard you talk till you were 18. I never even heard your voice. And so I was really that shy kid I went to university and I got depressed. I first time I was way far away from my family. I was unprepared for adult life. I didn't handle money well. I didn't eat well. I was really into music and books. So I would take my small pittance of, an, uh, of the money that I'd saved. And I was supposed to spend only $40 a week. And I would spend $38 on books and, and music the first day. And then I would starve the rest of the time. And my friends would take pity and give me a little food sometimes. But I was just, and, and, and I became really isolated because I was so shy. I didn't do well in that setting. It was a big university and I kind of sort of got lost. It was a hippie time, you know, it was a lot of questioning of all reality and, and the establishment. And I just lost all sense of meaning. And I took to my bed and I didn't realize what depression was at the time, but I got seriously depressed, almost did myself in. I had a couple of close friends who were about as weird and alienated as I was at his hippie at the time. 
I've gone back to my hippie days. If you're on the video, you can see I have long hair again. I had short hair for about 40 years, but um, I've grown it again during the pandemic and just didn't cut it. Um, but I went to my couple of two or three friends because I thought, you know, it's going to, if I kill myself, they're going to be really, you know, shocked. I better prepare them. So I went and talked to my first couple of friends and they were about as unhappy and depressed and alienated as I was. And they both, their response was, I understand, you know, I'm in pain all the time too, emotional pain, psychological pain and mental pain. And I just don't have the courage to kill myself. You know, I'm, I admire your courage was basically their message. Uh, and the third one was more normal. And she was like, what? Kill you? What? Kill you? Why? No, you can't kill you. And I, the other two were so accepting. I wasn't really prepared to defend my decision. But she was like, why? And I said, well, you know, I just feel I'm not for this world. I just feel like I have no skin on. Everything affects me. I'm all nerves and I can't be around people. I'm too shy. I can't say what I want to say. I'm lonely. I'm unhappy. I've lost all sense of why am I doing, why do I get out of bed in the morning? And here we are at university in a sort of protected environment for a few years. But pretty soon I'm going to have to go out and work. I can't even get out of bed. I, I can't get out of bed till noon. And then I go back to sleep in a couple hours. I just don't have the energy. I don't want to work for an American corporation. They seem evil to me. You know, I don't, I just don't see the point. And it, it's bad now, but it's going to be bad, worse in a few years. And, you know, all I want to do is like write songs and write poetry and, you know, not be around people. And she said, okay, how about this? She said, I have three aunts. They've never married. They all own farmland in the center of the country, Nebraska, which is where my folks were from, uh, this agricultural place. And when they die, I'm going to inherit everything. And they own land. They've invested in farmland. There's always an empty farmhouse. You can live on one of those farmhouses, grow your own food, which in my delusional hippie state, I thought I could do um, at that time. And I was reading Mother Earth News. Sure, I could go back to the land. And I tried it a few years later. And it's really hard to grow your own food. You can't grow pizza either, I discovered. And <laughs> a lot it takes, of years, it's it takes years to get a pizza together. Um, but so <laughs> all the ingredients really hard. Yeah. And so, um, so in any case, she said, look, it, you could just be there, write poetry. You don't have to be around people. You don't have to earn a living. Just promise me you won't kill yourself. And I'll promise you when one of those aunts dies and leaves me their inheritance, I will, you know, I will, um, I will, you know, let you live there. So I said, hmm, that's a possibility. And then I said, well, how old are your aunts? And she said, they're in their 60s. And I thought, well, they're almost dead. And there's three of them. The likelihood of one I'm kicking off is so I agreed. And then I had this challenge of how do I live until one of those aunts kicks off? Because I was miserable and I became interested in psychology. Like, why did I get so miserable? And how do people get less miserable? And that turned out to be psychotherapy. So psychology was just kind of analyzing everything and figuring out what it was about. Psychotherapy was helping people have less suffering. And I thought, oh, I could do that. I could do that for a living even because I could help other people that were like me, you know, miserable, wanting to kill themselves, depressed, anxious, whatever it may be. 
that's a pretty good profession. That's not like working for a corporation. And I became a therapist and I became obsessed. I read everything. I'm a big reader, as I said. I read everything I could about psychotherapy. But when I became, when I got to my graduate training in psychotherapy, I became really dissatisfied. I by then met this eccentric psychiatrist in the area in which I was going to university, Phoenix area, Arizona. And he was a guy who defied norms and traditions of psychotherapy. And he focused on people's strengths, their abilities, and their resources instead of their diagnoses and what was wrong with them. And that was a revolution for me. And I, shy as I was, I started arguing with my professors about how the focus they had was all on what was wrong with people. And they didn't have the balance of you know, but people have resilience and strengths and abilities to survive the most difficult things. I mean, you know, you look at the refugees that are, you know, they've survived the most amazing, weirdest, terrible experiences. You know, Holocaust survivors have survived and sometimes thrived. It's like, you're not taking that into account. You're only looking at how people are messed up. So I started to argue with them. And then when I got out of graduate school, I started to teach workshops on this this guy's work and some variations on it. And I started to call my work solution-oriented. Gosh, Bill, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time and your and your um you know your passion and your and your and the wisdom that you've shared. You know, you're you're all about helping this world. You're all about sharing and and giving. You're all about pouring out to others. And it definitely shows in this interview and you're you, you, thank you so much. You've just dropped so many things, and um, and I encourage all the listeners right now, um, jot down or on your phone or um, take a little note, take a little, write down a few of those little things because you know one thing that happens when you when you listen to some something, it kind of goes in. Um, you know, it's like a sponge; it kind of has to soak in. But when you actually go ahead and write it you end up reading it, which is the second way you're going to learn. And then you end up maybe saying it out aloud. And when you write it, so you're actually learning and you're sinking it in deeper and it becomes more of you, even if you never go back to those notes, or if you maybe only see those notes one other time, you're still going through that process. And that's at least three times you're diving in deeper and making it, cementing it into your life. And so absolutely try that. And and um, I'm so thankful again that you're hanging out with us. And um, and please, if you want to become a partner, head over to my Patreon account, which is patreon.com forward slash Steve Column. And, um, and consider being a partner, consider um, uh, being a sponsor of a show. And, um, and also uh, any five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. Any of those reviews would be awesome. And I also head over to the Facebook group, which is Rise Up with Steve Collum. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'll see you there. Thanks again. I'll see you there. Whoa, we're gonna rise up. Whoa, not gonna give up. Whoa, we're gonna